0: bibles to second peter chapter number three hey daniel when you were parking out there today was there any parking spaces left out there you took the last one and so this is awesome isn't it awesome to have a full building full parking lot and it's not easter sunday and last service was good as well and we had to get people out we need to be as a church we need to be praying to god for a bigger building and a bigger space. Either that, or we're going to go to a third service at some point. Because it's going to have to be one. You can't have, there's running out parking spaces. There is no parking out there. So imagine if someone came in a little bit late, they might as well just drive off and go someplace else, right? We want them to come in. So be praying. The Lord can do great things, can't he? So just be in prayer about it, and we'll see what the Lord has up his sleeve and what he's got planned for us. But well, I'm glad that you're here today. We have two weeks left in 2 Peter here, and then we'll finish 1 and 2 Peter. So then the question is, where next? Somewhere in the Bible. That's where we're going next. And uh, I've been praying on on Wednesday nights we started Revelation this last week, and that's going to be a long, long series. Um, I've been praying about, I really, the Lord, the book of Hebrews has been on my mind a lot lately, and Hebrews is not an easy one to preach through. But we, that's where I believe the Lord's ha- going to have us go. Unless he comes and then we just won't go anywhere, which will be great and let him teach us. But I also have been praying about the book of Genesis. We're doing Revelation, the end of all things. What if we do the beginning on Sunday morning and do them both together? So I'm praying about it. So why don't you pray about it too? If you feel, if you feel that one would benefit you more, or the Lord really thinks you. maybe the Lord works through you, and you feel Genesis would be better or Hebrews, Good. If you send me send me a text, tell me about it. If you put in the text, we need a new preacher for it. Then I'm not going to listen to you. Okay, and so. But um, anyways, we're getting to the end here. Two weeks ago, we looked at this passage, and we were we I preached on the topic of being mindful of Christ's return. Part one. This is part number two. I'm not going to take the next 40 minutes and review everything from two weeks ago, but I'm going to remind you of a couple things quickly and we'll dive into the new material here today. Peter is finishing up the book here, and he wants God's people to be mindful that Christ is coming again. There were two main statements I made two weeks ago that I want you to remember, and then we'll dive into our new stuff today. The first statement is this, that Jesus is coming again. Peter wanted the church to remember the fact Jesus is coming again. There are those out there. Scoffers that even mock and say, where's the Lord's return? It's been all this time. He said he's coming. But I want to remind you of the fact this morning that Jesus is coming again. And as a believer, how many of you are grateful today that Jesus is coming again? I think we all are grateful for that today. But as well as Jesus is coming again, judgment is also coming. Now, for the believer... We know there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We know we'll stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ, but we will not be judged on our sins. Jesus paid the price for our sins, and so for us to have to pay for our sins later would mean that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough for us. But Jesus' sacrifice was enough, but for this world, judgment's coming. That can be a scary thing. There are a lot of believers that get scared when we talk about judgment coming. And we're going to talk about that some today. A believer shouldn't be scared of judgment coming. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus is coming again, and the fact is judgment is also coming. So with those two things in mind, that Jesus is coming again and that judgment's coming, I want to give you today how we should live till that time comes. Look at verse number 9 with me. Go back to verse number 8. It says, and I'm in Daniel, that's not the place to be. I'm like, wow, that doesn't look like Second Peter at all. And that was Daniel chapter number 6. And so sometimes, though, I just flip my, uh, the other night I was preaching somewhere, I had a whole message ready, and then a thought came to my mind. I literally thought, I'll look and see, I opened up the Bible, it was right to that page. So I'm like, I'm going with that. I'm not going to go spur of the moment on Daniel 6 this morning. Maybe sometime, but not today. We look at verse number 8. Look at our text here in verse number 8. It says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is that, as with the Lord a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. Before we go deeper, just think on that for a minute. So let's go back 1,000 years ago. It would be April 16th, 1023. The world was a completely different place in 1023. This building wasn't here, and none of you were even thought of back then. There were no cars. There was nothing, nothing that we have today. Completely, di- there was a lot of people just different than what it is today. They didn't have anything like we do today. That's a 1,000 years ago. Do you know all the people that have lived the past 1,000 years? You know, we talk about just old presidents in the United States. I'm glad someone's phone's going. That- Did you find your phone there, Joe? Good, I'm glad he found it. That was the alert to find it, right? Isn't that what that was? He doesn't know what happened there. It's all good. As long as the sound man stays awake, it's all good. So he's awake for now. That's good. So um, totally lost my train of thought. Thanks a lot, Joe. So America was founded in 1776. So we're looking at 200 and... Why is my math failing me right now? That's 24. So we're like 240... 248, coming out of 247, somewhere in there. Three times that is a thousand years. Remember yesterday, Saturday? Did Saturday go by fast and then it was over with? To God, 1,000 years is as what your Saturday was yesterday. Now think with me on this one. Now, I know there are scientists out there that tell you the earth is billions upon billions upon billions of years old, and whatever, they weren't here, they don't know. If you take the Bible literally, I think you could say roughly six to 7,000 years old, somewhere in there. So let's just say the earth is 7,000 years old since God said, let there be light. Let's just say that for sake of argument. That would be, so remember last Sunday, Easter Sunday to today? That's one week. The whole history of the earth to the Lord isn't even that. It's crazy to think about. But that's where we just, we can't get thinking too far that way because God doesn't dwell in time. He's in eternity, right? And in eternity, we're already seated in heavenly places, I think the book of Ephesians tells us. You're like, no, sir, we're seated right here right now. You are, we're in time. God is outside of time. Don't get too confused about that. But what I want you to realize is that there is no time with God. And God, what a thousand years would be for us, is nothing to the Lord. So as we look at that, look at verse number 9. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that therein shall be burned up. Seeing then all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for these such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this morning, how we need you and how we need your help. Guide us. And we need you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Earlier, back in chapter number 2, we saw how Peter brought up the fact that there was a day, remember, the flood came. God sent his judgment on the earth, but God spared Noah and his family. We also saw in that passage how the Lord sent, and remember the Lord said, I will never flood the earth again in that way. I will not destroy it by flood. Well, later on, God judged a people, Sodom and Gomorrah. In that same passage in chapter number two, and God's judgment came, but God spared Lot. And you see how with God, there is judgment, but there are those who are spared from God's judgment. Not everyone goes through God's judgment, but some do go through God's judgment, and some are spared. What's the key to being spared? It is salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the key to being spared. So you see, God shows us judgment is coming, but he spares people. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It says that Lot was a righteous man, and God spared Lot and his daughters. And so when judgment day is coming, but if you know Jesus Christ and your salvation is in Jesus Christ, you will be spared just like Noah and Lot were. That doesn't stop judgment from coming. Judgment is still coming. And when we read here about this judgment, we see that the sky is going to be on fire. It's going to dissolve. Can you imagine the stars in the sky all dissolving and burning up? Every planet, the sun, the moon, burning up and being gone. The Bible talks about, remember how when we were in chapter 2, it talks about how there's fire down in the center of the earth to a certain degree, that's what it said but it's going to come up the whole earth's going to burn and be gone that doesn't sound very comforting does it the sky is all go- you just sang it in that song amazing grace the earth shall soon dissolve like snow the sun forbear to shine you just sang that we might sing songs but we don't know if we believe it we just sing a song cuz it's the song judgment day's coming and i know we hear those in this world about global warming it's going to get pretty hot here. In the sky, here on earth, everything is going to dissolve and be gone because the Lord's going to make everything new. So we know Jesus is coming again, and we also realize judgment's coming. And it is. Say, it's been a long time. For us, it's been a long time. For the Lord, it hasn't been very long. That's why one day is a thousand years. So with that in mind, how and what should I do today? Number one, as we dive into the message, we need to warn people. Warn people. If you were today to drive down the street and you see a house on fire, and that house is on fire, and you see the garage is still closed, all the cars are in the driveway, it looks like everyone's there, and you see no life on the outside, you'd probably want to stop and get someone's attention. You'd call the fire department. You'd probably honk your horn outside the house. You might start yelling, Hey, your house is burning! Your house is on fire! Why? Because there's people in there. And you warn them. Because not always do people realize what's going on. Look at verse number 9 of our text today. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. You know how some people make us promises and they don't keep their promises? They're slack on their, they don't keep it. How many of you have ever had someone promise you something and not come through? I think all of us would say that this morning. The Lord is not like you and me where he says something and he doesn't come through. Bible says the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. Look at what it says. But his long-suffering to us word." Aren't you grateful for the long-suffering of God? I am. It says, But he's long-suffering us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Say, why hasn't the Lord come yet? Because there's someone else that needs to get saved. I am grateful. And I think you would agree. I am grateful that the Lord didn't return before February 15, 1993. You say, why? That's the day I got saved. I'm glad he didn't come before I got saved. How many of you are glad the Lord didn't come before you got saved? I think we had all agreed to that statement there. We're glad he didn't come before we got saved. So you say, why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Because there are some people that still need to get saved. That's why. We look at this verse here, and we look at what it says, and the first thing I want you to realize this morning is, number one, that or letter A, God wants every soul saved. God wants to save every soul does that mean every soul gets saved? No, that doesn't. It means he wants every soul saved. Look at what the verse says. Let's just take the Bible for what it says. The Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All, not just some, all. And this is one of those passages and one of those verses. I've got some Calvinistic friends, and this is one I have a hard time deciphering that it's just for a chosen. It says all. And if someone wants to give me a better definition there, talk to me and let me hear that sometime. But we look at that, it says all. God wants all men saved. God wants to save everyone. You want another more proof of that? John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through Jesus, might be saved. And I want you to realize this morning that God wants everyone saved. That doesn't mean he makes everyone get saved, but he wants everyone saved. And I think we'd all agree with that. God wants everyone saved. He wants the vilest sinner saved. He wants your neighbor saved. He wants your spouse saved. He wants everyone saved. Isn't that true? God wants everyone saved. Letter B. God uses us to tell others. That's how God works it. Now you think about this. I'm glad I'm not God. And you should be glad that you're not God. I'm glad God is who he is. Like, I would, I would have a hard time not making people do what I want them to do. And I'm glad God doesn't do that with us. I'm glad that God gives us a free will. I'd be like, my son died for you. Just trust him, you dummy. You know, that would be me. Just get saved. How hard is it? And I'd, like, lead them along and, you know, like, hang them over a cliff. Get saved now or I drop you. And what, but what is that? That's not what it is. You know, if I were God, I would have found probably a better way of getting the message out. Wouldn't it be kind of cool just to send angels to people's doors? Hey, if you were to die right now, where are you going when you die? You got an angel staring at you, and you'd be like, and no, I'm not talking about these, you know, the touch by the angel type person or any of those. I mean a real, you got Michael the archangel standing there. Hello. That would, that would scare some people to get saved, right? Or, if, or ride it in the sky. God loves you. God sent his son. Trust him. Wouldn't that that'd be cool? God doesn't do that. God says, I'm going to let the ones I save tell others. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the very next verse. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Say, oh, it's the pastor's job. No, 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 that's not. The pastor should share too. But that word preacher there means messenger. How is someone going to hear the gospel unless someone tells them? Think about it. How did you learn the gospel? Someone told you. Be it a parent, be it a teacher, be it a crusade you went to, whatever the case may be, at some point you heard the gospel because someone shared it with you, correct? Yes, that's true. And so God, so we know this fact to be true. God wants everyone saved, right? And so God wants us to tell people, right? Or warn them. I am careful how I word it. We don't save people. I hear a lot of churches, how many did you have saved? We don't save We warn. God saves. The Spirit saves. We warn. That's all that we do. We warn. And so we look at this passage. We realize the fact that Jesus is coming again. And since he's coming again, judgment's also coming. So what should we do? We need to warn people. When's the last time you warned anybody? And I know you're like, well, pastor, I've warned that same person 500 times. They don't want to hear it from me anymore. Just keep living right. Keep living for the Lord and pray for God to give you an opportunity to put something in there. When's the last time, and, you know, you can do it lots of different ways. When's the last time you took a gospel track and just gave it to someone? Read some verses about heaven. Just warn them. If you drove by someone's house on fire today, I would hope that, and if it looked like they were in there, I would hope you'd try to help. Jesus is coming again. Judgment is coming. When's the last time you warned someone and said, hey, this is what the Bible says about heaven. Judgment's coming. This is what the Bible says. When's the last time you warned somebody? Just warn them. Let the Lord do the work. You know, sometimes we talk to people and I hear people, they they try to be the best of salesmen. You don't need to be a salesman. If people want the Lord, they'll get the Lord. If they don't want the Lord, they're not going to get him. And you can have them pray a simple prayer with you, and it can mean nothing. When's the last time you just warned somebody? Warn them. And you, you say, well, I'm not good at it. Are any of us good at it? Man, I will be talking to someone, and I'll be stumbling over my two feet. I'm a pastor of a church. And I still mess, and I walk away and be like, that was ridiculous. How could Brian be like that? But that doesn't matter. The spirit of God's the one who convicts. God's the one who works. And if someone's going to get saved, they're going to. And even if they have to stumble over my ridiculousness, they'll find God. My job is just to warn. In light of the fact that Jesus is coming again and that judgment's coming, we need to warn people. When's the last time you warned somebody? The Problem is, we don't live with eternity in view. We live for the moment where we're at. But soon this earth's going to dissolve and be gone. And everyone's going to stand before God. Everyone will at some point. I would urge you today, as you leave here, there are gospel tracts over there in the back. Grab a couple. Maybe try one a week. Try to warn one person a week. And you might not be able to warn much. You might say here's a track about heaven. And that might be as far as you get. Or it could be like my daughter at Stater Brothers, what was it, two weeks ago for Easter. She's with me at the store and all of a sudden I see her go to the lady that there, she goes. (laughs) That was it. That's all she did. And the lady took it. And then, oh, this is for me. And she read it. warn people. In light of the fact that Jesus is coming again and the judgment's coming, warn people but not only should we warn people number two this morning we need to live for jesus say why should i live for jesus i've heard i've heard many a christian say this well i've only got one life to live i need to have all the fun i can before i get do you realize do you not realize how much fun heaven's gonna be i think some people think heaven's gonna be more boring than a church service and most church services aren't boring But it's going to be awesome to be with the Lord forever. You're never going to get old praising him. It's never going to get old. You're never going to wish you were doing something else. When you get to heaven, you're not going to want to be anyplace else. Live for him today. Look at what verse 10 and 11 say. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Everything's going to be gone here someday. Do you realize that today? Look at what verse 11 says. Seeing that, that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Live a godly life in light of the fact that everything else is going to be gone. Live for Jesus. Do you realize today you can't take it with you? Think about that to begin with. Let's say that you pass before the Lord comes. You can't take it with you. The fancy house, you can't take it. The nice car, you can't take it. All the money, you can't take it. There was a husband and wife that had been married for a long time, and the guy got a huge, um, he got an inheritance from an uncle, a big lump sum of money. And the husband and wife, they were arguing one day a little bit, and the guy was kind of going to pass before all. And he told his wife, fight, you don't get my money. You don't get any of it. When I die, I want you to put the money with me in the casket for my uncle. It's my money, and I'm taking it. You get none of it. The man passed away. His wife was there at the funeral home, and she's crying over the casket and things. And her friend comes up and says, did you put the money in the casket with him? She's like, yes, he asked for it. I put the money in there. I wrote him a check, and as soon as he can cash it, it's all his. <laughs> Once you pass away, you can't cash the check. You can't take it with you. Let's say you make it till the end of everything. Let's say you make it till the rapture, and you make it till the end. It's all going to be gone. This building has made it through many earthquakes through the years. This building will be gone. The sky will be gone. The mountains will be gone. Everything will be gone. In light of the fact that everything will be gone and that you can't take anything with you, live for Jesus today. Make the most for Jesus today. Make some heavenly investments today. You know, a lot of people are, reti- are worried about their retirement. And I know you look at, you look at retirement, it's, it's a big deal when that time comes. I mean, my dad, the Lord really blessed him. He got late. His company went under. He lost in retirement, and he was 53 years old, and all of his retirement gone. He was able to get a new job and work for almost 20 years, and he got a decent retirement, and the retirement was going to last him 10 years. And the joke with him is all of his sibling, his his brother, he only had one sibling, his mom and dad, grandparents, all of them died at 70. So he's like... This will last me till I'm 80. I won't even be here. No big deal. So it's all good. Well, he's 81. And the beginning of this year, there was a certain amount still in the retirement fund. The past month, it's lost 50% of what was left. So retirement fund, they're important. I get retirement being important. But do you realize someday you're going to spend eternity with Jesus? And what you do for him today matters. The people you serve, the life you live matters. I know people are like, I'll live for him there. How about you live for him now? It can be fun living for God today. You don't have to have fun the way the world has fun. Do you realize that today? Because the world's fun, it isn't even any fun. Hollywood might look great and wonderful, and the parties and the things that they do on the outside, look at the lives behind the parties. They're not happy. They're tr- you have Christ. You have all that you'll ever need. And what Peter says here is, hey, live for the Lord. In light of the fact that everything's going to be gone, just live for him today. Because that day's coming. Hey, church, live for him today. Be faithful to him today. Serve him today. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Live today for Jesus. Hey, be faithful to church. Be faithful. Live for him today. I mentioned last service, and i got to do it again this service since I did it last service. You know, ladies, this coming week, on Friday and Saturday is our ladies' conference. Um, I think last time I checked, there are 17 or 18 signed up right now. When we have two services filled with ladies. Let me give you a little plug here. Caroline would never do something like this, but I don't care if you like me or not. I'm going to give you the truth anyways. We don't plan ladies' meetings because we're like, oh, we need something else to put on the calendar. They're there to be a help to you. There are several ladies in this room this morning that your life, where you're at, and the struggles that you have I, I hear from you or I hear from, and I hear things and I know some struggles where you're at and then you miss something like this when you have a great opportunity to help you with what you need help with. You are shooting yourself in the foot. But I, I don't like people. I don't like this. I don't like that. Oh, stop it. Just stop it. One time a year, one time a year, it's for your Good. The speaker, Jennifer Soto, she is a godly lady that has suffered with her health for years. I promise you, any lady, I promise you, that if you come, you will not regret coming. In fact, I'll say this right now. If you come and God didn't speak to you and it wasn't a blessing to your heart, I'll give you your money back. I'll, okay, I'll do this. I will. I, this is how much, I will double it. I'll give you $40 back. Because I know it'll be a help to you. And most of you just need to get outside of yourself and actually go. And I'll talk more about this at the end this morning. It's for your good. It's for your good. And I know, and I know something, well, Pastor, it's just uh, me, blah, blah, blah. You can use any excuse you want. We all have excuses. Excuses, excuses. You hear them every day. You can make an excuse for anything. It's, Five to six hours total in two days. Say, bye, I have no one to watch my kids. Tell your husband to watch the kids for a little bit. You say, I don't have a husband. Then you can bring them to my house. I will give you someone else's address, but you can bring them to my house, and I'll watch them. And in all reality, if you don't have someone to watch them, I will watch your kids. I don't care. They can run around, go crazy. I have earplugs. I'll be fine. No problem. And so the duct tape's cleared out of the house. They can't tie me up or anything. But I don't mind that at all. It's, it's an important thing. You could get some help this weekend that would help you with your life. And if, we, if I said we were going to have a nice ladies' dinner going out somewhere, every lady would go. Most of the ones that would skip something like this when this is more important. Eternal things matter. But we, somehow we get our eyes off of that. And Peter says, in light of the fact that everything's going to be gone you got to get the right perspective. It would do us all good to get a better perspective on life. Do you realize our time's short? I had someone the other day, I was talking to someone, and they're like, well, I'm just about gone. You know, you could live longer than me. Look at some of the oldest folks in here. You know, Dennis, you could be here longer than me. You could be. And you never know. We don't know when our last breath will be. Let's live in light of eternity today. So in light of the fact that Jesus is coming and the judgment's coming, what do we need to do? Warn people. Not only do we need to warn people, we need to live for Jesus now. Not wait, do it now. And thirdly and lastly this morning, you need to walk in hope. Walk in hope. Look at verse number 11. It says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Look at verse number 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Wow, look forward to that. Did you see that? Do you see what the Bible says right there? That kind of sounds a little crazy. Look forward to the earth burning up. Look forward to the sky being gone. Look forward to it. Well, why? Look at the next verse. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth Wherein dwelleth righteousness? Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Hey, walk in hope. Why is it that most Christians I see look like the most saddest people in the world? That was about ten people coming in that door this morning. Maybe you're just tired today. But you walk in and... Oh, woe is me. Li- you know, we have, what's that? When you, the Eeyore, the, um, everything's bad. Life is terrible. I don't have, an, I didn't have enough to get a big Starbucks today. I could only afford a cheeseburger not a double-double at In-N-Out. Life's terrible. It's, it's terrible. I couldn't, I had to run the air conditioner today. We look at life, we get down so easy. Peter says, live in hope of what's coming. Live in hope because of what's coming. Yeah, you say, the earth's going to burn up. That doesn't sound very exciting. You know, really? You know, you watch some of those movies and you see all these big fireballs and whatever. I don't know how it's all going to happen, but the earth's going to be gone. We have hope because God promised that fact that he's going to make a new heaven, a new earth. And guess what? There will be, think about this in the new heaven. And the new earth, there'll be no more sin. You know, if there is news in the new heaven and new earth, all it's going to be is good things. They'll never have anything bad to say. What we have to look forward to. Christian, walk in hope today. Do you realize, and I'm going to end with this here in just a minute, do you realize the worst thing that can happen to us in this life, the worst thing in this life that can happen to us is death? Right. There are a lot of bad things that can happen, but the worst is death. Do you realize that as a believer, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? The worst thing for us in this life is the best thing that can ever happen to us. That's called hope. Where if this world dies in their sins, it's the worst thing that could ever happen. There is no hope. Believer Day, you can walk in hope. Say, Pastor, so I know that Jesus is coming. I realize the judgment's coming. What should I do? Warn people. Just warn them. And you can't you can't make anybody trust the Lord. You can just warn them. Warn them. And you know that we've read that story about Stuart Hamlin today. It took a long time, and there was prayers that went into it, but he got saved. And don't worry, those seeds, those seeds get planted. They do. They do. Just warn people. Warn them. And then live for Jesus today. And then as you go through this life, and this life has a lot of ups and downs, doesn't it? Life is like a roller coaster at Six Flags. You have some nice ups, and you have some really bad downs. And sometimes you think it can't go much down any further, and it goes down even further. And then it jolts you all over the place. Life throws us crazy things but you can have hope today in the Lord and thank God for the hope that we have father I-